Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of T1 Talks. This is a podcast where we aim to share our experiences living with type 1 diabetes to build a sense of community for diabetics, both type 1 and 2. We want to dispel any myths about what it means to be a type 1 and increase diabetic awareness through our stories. I'm Gianna, a type 1 diabetic of 14 years and a recent graduate at the College of New Jersey. And I'm Victoria. I'm a medical student from Saskatchewan, Canada, and I was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in March of this year. This week, we're going to talk about one of the age-old debates, pumps versus pens, or you'll hear us refer to them as MDI or multiple daily injections, which is just another way of referring to pens. So I just have to say that definitely the biggest difference between the two has to be the cost. Pumps are extremely expensive, especially if you don't have extra coverage. So definitely check out episode five, where we sort of talk more about how expensive diabetes is. But that's not going to be the focus of today's episode. Today, we're going to be focusing more on how we use them differently pumps and pens and what we like and don't like about them yeah and i know we're not focusing on cost in this episode but i do want to throw in there that that is something i think about a lot less than three years from now i'll be 26 and i won't have my parents insurance anymore using an insulin pump isn't going to be a guarantee on my new insurance they might not cover that and i might not have the money to afford that so it's definitely something that you're going to have to consider when thinking about insulin pens versus pumps versus simple syringes it's always going to be something that you unfortunately have to factor in which really is something that sucks for diabetics because as the technology grows there's a lot of things that become super expensive and you want to be able to take care of yourself in the most efficient way but sometimes that's just not possible which is why I think talking about the cost of diabetes is something that's really important because a lot of people don't know how expensive it is just to stay alive moving on though we're both pump users but this episode isn't about which method we prefer it's giving you our opinions and our experiences the benefits, the consequences of both, and just letting you apply that to your lifestyle and figuring out what would work best for you. Maybe if you're a non-diabetic listening, you can talk through this with the diabetics in your life, or you can just have a better understanding of what you're seeing when you see that person delivering their insulin, however that might be. Exactly. It's so much a personal choice. There are tons of people who are happy on pens and choose to use pens. I think just because both of us use a pump doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of benefits to pens. No. And you know, it's actually funny because I look back on when I was probably like 11 or 12 and I was so against using an insulin pump and today I can't imagine going back to my MDIs would not fit my lifestyle that's for sure but back then my biggest concern was how other people would see me and I didn't want to wear something external on my body I thought that people would judge me for it I thought that it would make me stand out Eventually, I did end up trying the pump out, though, and I remember feeling very confused in the beginning, having to figure out how to use it, how to put it on, being able to do it without my parents, and also feeling weird about it when I wore certain outfits. I kept my sights on my stomach at the time, and so trying to figure out where to put a tubed pump when you're wearing a dress or other outfits similar to that can be very frustrating. (laughs) I didn't like having to run to the bathroom to deliver insulin and then come back and have to go again if I needed more, stuff like that. It were just little annoyances. I would have to remember to grab it after going swimming, after taking a shower, put it back on my body. I would also get caught on a lot of doorways. I'm very clumsy. I fall a lot. That was another issue. Uh, Having the tube ripped out of my body was painful. And it also just left a lot of marks on my body. That might be because I didn't rotate my sight enough, but it was just something else to think about. 
I think looking back now, if I had had an Omnipod at the time, it might have been easier for me to adjust to. I think the transition period is going to be hard for anyone. You're going to be developing new habits. You're going to be learning a lot of new things that you didn't have to learn when you used MDIs. But I think when you really sit down and dissect these little frustrations, you can definitely find ways to work around them or overcome them. Today, I don't mind the marks on my body, and I really like the idea of wearing something on my body that shows I have diabetes, sparks a conversation with other people. I recently got stickers to put around my Dexcom, and not only does that help it stick to my skin, but it also just is personalized and looks really cute, and it's something else that I'm not wearing that speaks to who I am. Because you pick out the patterns, and you get to make your Dexcom really you, which I think is the whole point, and I think it's just something really nice. But I totally get that there's people out there that don't like people knowing that they're diabetic, and they want to hide those kinds of things. So maybe MDIs are the better option for you. It's something you have to think about. Always. And I think that you can't make diabetes as invisible when you're wearing a pump or a CGM versus when you're using MDI and finger pricks, right? Where you, you can keep that from people around you if that's something that's important. I know that especially younger people, but everyone, I think, sometimes feels self-conscious and doesn't want, you know, to have things seen by everyone. It's definitely harder with the pump. Yeah, I think it's just something to be aware of. Like I said, I used to really care if people saw it. Now I don't. People still see it under my clothes. I've gotten questions about it. I don't mind. But again, I don't think I have to tell you guys that it's really up to you what you want people to know about your diabetes. Oh, and I do want to just throw in real quick something that I think might bug a few more people. And that's the feeling of the cannula of the insulin pump. I've had it a few times where I can feel that little poke inside my body for the whole time I'm wearing my pod. So I still have that with my Omnipod. I used to have that with my Animus, my Medtronic. It's not terrible, but sometimes it can be a little painful and it's definitely something that'll be persistent in catching my attention throughout the day. And for me, no matter if it's the cannula or me knocking into something and it feeling like it suddenly hurts on my arm or back or wherever it is, I don't like to take off the pod until I'm out of insulin or I know for sure that it's not working because those things are expensive and I don't want to waste them. I know some companies will send you replacements if you call them when it happens, but it's just something that I think you don't have to worry about as much with MDIs or syringes. But it's also been nearly 10 years or so since I've really used them on the daily. So I don't know if you have anything to throw in here, Victoria. Maybe I'm completely off base. <laughs> Some injections hurt so bad, but most of them aren't bad. And it's usually the long acting and there's sort of some things you can do to make it better, but it's nothing like having, like I've had pump sites that are sore for three whole days <laughs> and like, I'm stubborn. I don't want to take it off early if it's still working, but sometimes like you can, you just have it near a nerve and you can feel it every time you move. And it's really, really annoying. Yeah. Well, this is a problem I've been trying to solve for years, but I think once the pod or insets are already on your body, you have no control over what's going on inside as far as i know there's no way to fix the cannula that's why i say i think mdis or syringes might be a little simpler here you just take out the needle if it hurts put it in somewhere else or maybe you need to switch the direction of the needle something like that it seems like it'd be an easier fix although i will mention something that does bother me about mdis and that's the fact that I always gave my insertions in my thighs, so I was never able to give insulin at the table. So I still had that same problem that I mentioned with wearing pumps and dresses, where I'd have to run to the bathroom, go give insulin there, come back. And with the amount of shots I was giving between, you know, my long-acting insulin and my fast-acting insulin, it was a lot of trips to the bathroom. So maybe that means you move your insertions, or maybe that means something like an Omnipod would be better for you, where you just quickly type in the numbers. You don't have to go anywhere because no matter where your pod is, it's Bluetooth connection. 
you know, you're holding the device so you don't have to worry about any trips to the bathroom if you feel uncomfortable showing a certain part of your body, whatever works best for you. Yeah, definitely. I think hopefully one day I'll get an Omnipod and then I'll get to compare all the different things. I am honestly so grateful. It is so much more convenient. Yeah. The tubing for me is never too annoying, except for at night. I really, I think I would prefer the Omnipod for sleeping because I don't love sleeping with the pump next to me or like on my clothes. It's annoying. Yeah, well, what kind of did the switch for me from tubes to tubeless pumps was just me being a giant klutz and also me being in color guard, using my flag all the time would rip the pump out of my body. I also just went swimming a lot and couldn't have it in the pool. And with my terrible memory, I would forget to put it back on and that would just be a mess. I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't really right for me. Yeah. And actually bringing up a really good point there too. Like I think that some lifestyles go better with pens and some go better with pumps. Like that was a big reason for me to go on the pump as soon as I did was just because I couldn't imagine what it would be like without a pump in the hospital. But I think in other ways, people are opposite, right? If they're swimming all the time or if they're working really hard outside or doing things like that, they don't want to have the pump on them all the time. And they want sort of a more, right? Like you can give your basal dose once a day and it works for 24 hours. You don't need something trickling insulin into you all day. Yeah. And I think the most important thing to recognize here is that if you are to choose the insulin pump side of things, you have plenty to choose from. There's some that are Medtronic, like Victoria's, and they're not waterproof, but they're a lot smaller than my Omnipod. And then there's some that carry more insulin than others, some that combine certain features. You really have to look at all of them and figure out which would be right for you. Absolutely. And I do think that some of the newer pumps that are coming out are getting to be pretty waterproof. So people can do like some swimming. I think that there are still things you can't do. You can't maybe like hot tub and things like that, but definitely things are getting more waterproof anyways. I have hope. Oh yeah, I definitely think the direction that diabetic technology has been heading in has been amazing. The fact that there's now insulin pumps that can just grab your sugar and adjust for you without you having to press anything is insane to me. Yeah, it's super exciting what's coming down the technology pipes right now for sure. Something that I don't think will ever change with insulin pumps is that you do have to change your site every three days. And for me, this is way better than trying to inject at every meal, plus my long acting, plus any corrections for my sugars, especially when I'm not necessarily like I have to bring everything with me all the time. So I'm not somewhere like I'm not in an office where I can just have my insulin in a drawer. It's like it has to be on my person because I'm running all over the hospital. So it was really important to me to have something that fit my lifestyle better. And I do have to say that one needle every three days, so much better than like six needles a day. You're so right. I change my site every other day just because that's how much insulin I happen to go through. And even with that, it's so much better than my MDIs where I was giving myself injections probably upwards of eight times a day between my long acting insulin and my fast acting insulin and just the amount of food I was eating. It was just not an enjoyable experience. <laughs> I think it just ends up taking up a lot more of your time when you have to stop, pull out an alcohol swab, find an area, calculate how much insulin you need to take draw it out on your pen or you know maybe you're using a syringe you have to make sure there's no air bubbles in there comparing that with my omnipod where i'm just quickly taking it out putting in how many carbs i'm eating putting in what my blood sugar level is 
one, two, three, it's done. It's a lot faster that way and it ends up interrupting my day a lot less. It's also, like I said, you know, comparing maybe eight times a day to something that I do every other day. Definitely. The site changes get so fast. Can I ask how much fits in an Omnipod? Honestly, thinking off the top of my head, I really have no idea. I want to say maybe 200-ish units, but don't quote me on that. That's about the same as my pump. I think it's like 180 units. I want to say that's it. I just have a really high carb diet. I don't know if diet's the word. I eat a lot of things that are high in carbs. And I also just have a couple different basal rates and some of those are pretty high. So between all that, I go through a lot. No, for sure. I was just thinking, I know for sure Medtronic makes one that has 300 units. So like that would be better for people who have higher insulin requirements because lots of people do, right? Like it all is very individual. See, that's actually super interesting. And I didn't even know that because I've become so comfortable with my Omnipod that I never look at these newer insulin pumps and see what they're all about. And I think a lot of diabetics get caught in that kind of cycle where you're so comfortable with what you're already using that you don't want to look into something that could be more efficient or better fitting for your life. And I mean, if it works, it works, but you might be be doing more work than you need to be so definitely think it's worth stopping to take a minute and look at your other options yeah like I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future but I think right now my top choice would be a t-slim if I could afford it but it's so expensive but I like the like basal iq and control iq options and then it communicates with the dexcom which is so great Right. And that's the one that will give you insulin automatically when it notices your sugar starting to rise or something like that, right? Yeah. That's amazing. It's still hard for me to believe something like that exists. I want it. (laughs) Hopefully we'll both get there someday. Maybe soon. And so something that like I hear coming up often, especially from non-diabetics, and even with something that I didn't understand until I had to learn, is just like how the insulin in the pump is both the same but different than the insulin in pens that we use for MDI. And so... The pump insulin is only fast-acting insulin. And so when you're on MDI, you actually have two types of insulin. You have a long-acting, which lasts 24-ish hours. And then you have a fast-acting. And that works within usually 15 minutes, half an hour, depends on how sensitive to insulin you are. And so when you're on MDI, you have your basal insulin, which is that long-acting 24-hour insulin. And then you have your fast-acting insulin that you use for meals and corrections. But with a pump we only use fast acting and we get our basal dose by like trickling fast acting insulin into your body which is usually just done by like units per hour and then that's just 24 hours of insulin delivery so like when you Gianna were talking about how you didn't ever have any basal when you were swimming all day that's because you had to take your pump off obviously and you weren't getting any of that basal dose whereas people on MDI because they get that one injection and it lasts 24 hours they're good all day, regardless of how much fast acting insulin they need or use. It's actually weird that you bring that up because just last night I was on Twitter and I saw a tweet from a diabetic who accidentally mixed up their short acting insulin with their long acting insulin. And this can be super dangerous because when you're using MDIs or syringes, you lose that control of being able to suspend your insulin. So for example, when I was younger, I took 40 units of long acting insulin and those 40 units spread out between a span of 24 hours. And then I would take them again the next night, same time. But if I take 40 units of short-acting insulin, all of those units that I span out over 24 hours are hitting me at once. I would need to eat 
and eat and eat and eat and eat to be able to avoid going into diabetic shock or who knows what if I was in that scenario. And unfortunately, this isn't so uncommon. So I definitely think that lack of control is something to consider when you're thinking about which way to go in terms of MDIs, syringes, or insulin pumps. For sure. That was always something I was really worried about when I was on MDI is that's a huge dose of fast acting insulin because your basal dose is almost half of your insulin that you use in the day. So imagine giving yourself that much and then you do, you just have to eat and eat and eat and it's insane. And it's never happened to me. Thankfully, I have messed up my insulin dose before through my pump where I've either given too much or too little or just the other morning, I somehow just didn't confirm it right. And it just didn't give me my blood list and I was like halfway through eating lunch and realized that I hadn't had any insulin. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So that was a little excitement, but it, I was eating a salad. So it, was, it didn't turn out too terribly. Like it was a little off, but it could have been worse. Yeah, well, something I remember finding stressful when I was on MDIs was not knowing whether I took my long-acting insulin or not. I would constantly forget or get caught up in something else and then be like, oh, did I take that or didn't I? And I didn't want to risk taking that double dosage where now I'm suddenly taking 100 units of long-acting insulin as opposed to 50. But I also didn't want to leave it and end up having high sugars all the way through the night and leading into the next day. So it was really frustrating having to think about that. And now with my insulin pump, I've talked about having my insulin on board. And that just shows me how much insulin is running through my system at all times. I can check on my basal rates. I can change my basal rates. It's all right there in front of me. It's a lot less questioning and having to remember things myself or write stuff down, which I've never been good at. Yeah, no, once it's injected, it's injected. It's super scary. And people do have to go to the hospital sometimes and you should never hesitate if that happens to you because like you said like 50 units I I can't imagine I would not be able to eat that much I don't think I would need to eat something so high carb like I'd have to eat like straight honey or something like that and that's gross so yeah I mean at that point I would assume you'd have to go to the hospital I don't see what else you could do I think MDIs and syringes are for people that are really organized I feel like you'd be the perfect candidate now that I think about it, Victoria, honestly. Absolutely. I had spreadsheets going and then I switched to tracking it through my Dexcom because it's really important to know how long it's been since the last insulin dose. And I never look at the time, so I never know. I use my pump for that all the time where I'm like, when did I deliver that bolus? And that's actually how I found out that I didn't bolus the other day was because I checked to see what time it was and it told me it was in the morning. And I'm like, but it's one o'clock. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Well, with pumps, we don't have to worry about like mixing up our long and short acting insulins because we only use short acting. I do worry a lot with my pump about my pump site failing. And this has happened to me before. And it's not super common, but it happens to everyone all the time. <laughs> I can attest. It seems like. And the thing is, is like when your sugars start going high, especially if you've just changed your pump site, it takes time to figure out whether that's because you ate too much or because you mistimed your insulin or if it's because your pump site isn't working. And the only way that I know to really know is you wait and see what happens with your sugars. And if they keep skyrocketing, then you change your pump site and find a kinked cannula. And then sometimes they come back down because your pump site is working. It's just bad timing. And that's really stressful for me, especially when I see my sugars climbing, because then I worry. I'm like, is it my pump site? Is it not? And things can go bad really quickly. So you can go from like a normal sugar to a high enough sugar that you're feeling really sick pretty fast, especially after lunch or something like that. And 
MDI for me really wasn't like that just because there's so much more feedback in MDI, right? Like I can look at the insulin in the vial every time I inject. Yep. I can put in an injection and pull the needle out and watch some of the insulin spurt out and be like, rats, that didn't all go in and make decisions from there. Whereas the cannula is just a black box. Like you can't see really anything. Once you pull the needle out, I just pray that it works, honestly. Yeah, this is something I struggle with the most. And I would say it's my least favorite thing about using an insulin pump for sure. Pumps are a lot less straightforward than syringes or MDIs. When my cannula is bent or clogged, I have no idea. It's in my body. I can't tell. Sometimes I'll see insulin gathering on the adhesive and that's like a telltale sign. But besides that, unless my alarm goes off and lets me know I have an occlusion, I don't know what's going on. I will say I have noticed that when I get an occlusion alarm, it's usually following me giving myself a large amount of insulin and then another large amount of insulin shortly after. And I think it's just because it's too much for the pump to handle in its current state. But I wouldn't have to worry about that if I was using needles to give myself insulin. I could just keep going and I would keep getting that insulin. Whereas with the pump, I might end up clogging it and then not being able to use that pod anymore, which is definitely unfortunate to have to waste it like that. Yeah, it's definitely just a problem. I think when you don't know, that's always the most stressful part for me is it's like, I think once I got an error on my pump for an occlusion, but the other time it never told me anything. <laughs> my sugars were just creeping up and up and up. So yeah, I think it can be hard, but I, I don't know if the newer pumps are any better or not. I think everyone still struggles with pump sites failing and not knowing about it. Oh yeah, trust me. I've had so many times where I've had issues with my pump and my alerts didn't go off and it didn't recognize that there was an issue. So I just had to play this guessing game of did I not take enough insulin? Is my cannula bent? Is there an occlusion? Is there a problem communicating between my pod and my pump? And at those points, I do feel that the MDIs and syringes have more control because at least at that point, I can give myself more insulin. See the insulin dripping out of the needle if it didn't get in me enough. It's less of that unknown that you're talking about. Exactly. I think that really nails it. I feel like in some ways there's more control with pumps, but I think it also brings along a whole host of other things. And I think especially like you are really relying on the technology to work and your pump can't be your only option. Like I still have pens and needles around for in case, and I know you have syringes around for just in case something goes wrong with your PDM or your personal diabetes manager, which is what comes with the Omnipod. Or for me with my actual pump, if it just dies one day, I still need to get insulin in me. Oh yeah, I've had a lot of pumps break on me randomly and you always want a second form of insulin because even if you can get a replacement, sometimes they can't always get to you the next day. So you need to be prepared and you need to have either insulin pens or syringes and vials that you can use if your pump ever does break on you. Technology is great, but sometimes analog is really the best option, right? Like having that needle, it'll always get into you. Yeah, and while I think MDIs are a lot more simple and easy to understand, it can take probably a few minutes to learn how to use a syringe or how to use an insulin pen, but it can take a few days or maybe longer to figure out an insulin pump. I've had mine for years and I don't even know how to use all the features. And for every insulin pump I've used, Animus, Medtronic, Omnipod, I've had to take classes on how to operate all of them before I could transition into using them daily. So it definitely takes time when it comes to an insulin pump. Exactly. And I know like you're right, like MDI, you need maybe 10 minutes of training with a nurse. 
and pumps take a long time to learn about. I definitely did a ton of research on my pump before I got it and obviously didn't get formal teaching with it, but it's like slow and steady. You know, it's like you just start with the easy things and then you're right, you can slowly build up from there. And there are some things that I still don't use because I don't know how to use them or I haven't found how I can benefit from them. But I think just having all of those options is so great. Definitely. And I think even though insulin pumps can be a bit more difficult to grasp in the beginning, I think that they are way smarter than MDIs and syringes. Almost every insulin pump, if not all of them, have bolus calculators now where you can just put in your carbs, put in your blood sugar, and your pump does all the math for you. Like we talked about before, you could suspend your basal, you can suspend your bolus, you can change your basal, you can have different basal rates going through your body at different hours. There's so much to insulin pumps today that it takes away a lot of the work that is tied to MDIs and syringes, like writing down all of your information. I no longer have to write down my sugars because I'm putting them into my insulin pump when calculating how much insulin I should be taking. It also archives all of my boluses I took, so I don't have to forget about that. It keeps track of how much insulin's running through my body, measuring the insulin for me, so I don't have to worry about that. There's so many features. I could probably go on and on, but this is just something I super appreciate about having a pump. Exactly. And I think if you use it consistently, it also makes it a bit safer because you're sort of double checking everything as opposed to just punching a number in and running away with it. Something that I really like about the pump is that it offers me more precision in dosing. And so because I'm pretty insulin sensitive, the 0.5 units that the pen doses, and that's like for a a small pen, it sounds like a tiny amount, but it's not as precise as the pump with which I can bolus within like 0.1 of a unit. And it's so much better for me because I can just really be more precise. And I am a little bit neurotic in case anyone didn't already know that about me. I like that amount of precision when I'm carb counting and sort of practicing things. But with the bolus wizard, it'll just figure that out for me and give me to the 0.1 unit for my bolus. The other thing that I really like is that my pump, I'm sure they all do this, but I can set a limit for how much it'll let me bolus. So it would never let me accidentally bolus more than 10 units. And I like that as a safety feature because then like we were saying, what if you give yourself 50 units of insulin with your pen? Like that's really easy to do. Whereas I would have to give myself five separate 10 unit boluses to get 50 units. Yeah, I think it all comes back to what you said before about the pumps having more precision. I think they're just set up for safety more. Another feature that I would say kind of relative to the safety conversation is alarms. I hated my alarms in the beginning because all they did were embarrass me in school and embarrass me in the library and embarrass me in a bunch of other public places. And when I had my Animus pump, I want to say the song was Fur Elise by Beethoven. And that was the song it decided to play whenever my alarms went off. By the time I could frantically pull it out of my pocket, I was already looking like a tomato. Today, I don't really care when my alarms go off. I still didn't really love it when I was in class because a bunch of people would look at me. I always felt awkward trying to explain that it wasn't a cell phone without actually having words come out of my mouth but it's a safety feature it's there for a reason nobody cares once they know it's just something that i now appreciate because it lets me know what i should be worrying about before it gets to a point where i really should be worrying about it although i will say there is one beep that comes from the omnipod when it runs out of insulin and if you have an omnipod you know what i'm talking about but this thing is the worst noise in the world i used to hit it with a hammer to get it to stop beeping And I've seen other people do this. There's plenty of TikToks out there. 
you need some kind of toothpick or something that small to press a button underneath the adhesive to get the pump to stop beeping when you discard it the wrong way. Finally, I figured out how to do that within the past few years, but when that happened, the first couple, I would pretty much cry every time because I just wanted it to stop. This is just some food for thought before you commit to an insulin pump over a nice quiet MDI. I'm just kidding guys. The alarms are safe. They're there for a reason. Take advantage of them. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I do have to say that my pump has a vibrate only option. So it never makes sounds except for when I'm priming the tubing. That's the only time it beeps. Otherwise, my basal is suspended or if there's any problem, it just vibrates. And I really prefer that because I like it to tell me, obviously, but I, I don't want too many alarms going off that are loud, right? Like my Dexcom is sort of the bare minimum and it drives me crazy. And it went off in front of the doctor yesterday. I'm like, oh, sorry. I try to catch it before the actual alarm goes off because I get one alert before that happens. But I do appreciate the vibrate only option on my pump. Does yours go off if you're completely out of insulin? Yeah, it goes off. <laughs> it's really annoying. It goes off when I get to 20 units remaining and then it goes off at 10 and then it goes off every unit down from there. <laughs> oh, wow. That seems a little extreme. It drives me nuts. I can't take it down less than 10 ever. It doesn't work for me. So I have to usually change it out. I try to change it out when it still has 20 units. Canadian privilege because insulin isn't expensive. So I waste 20 units pretty much every time I change my site just because otherwise I don't find it's very reliable. Mine's not too bad. It goes off when I hit nine or 10 units, I think it is. And then when I completely run out, that's when the Omnipod will do that nightmarish beep or if I discard it wrong, it has the same one. So I try to do what I can to avoid that. I have to give the caveat that I've never run my pump out of insulin. So I don't know what happens if it actually gets to zero. That surprises me. I've had a couple problems with mine with the last bit of insulin, but usually I try to run it out if I can. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you you missed the part where I said I'm just a little neurotic. <laughs> I would have never guessed. Okay, so last struggle I want to cover is that whole failing to absorb insulin thing. Something that I've talked about in a couple episodes always happens with my pumps, or at least it seems like it always happens, is I don't rotate my site enough and I end up putting my inset in areas that can no longer absorb insulin because I've used them too many times. I've been experiencing this less recently because I've been moving my pods onto my arms, but it does happen and eventually it's going to happen to my arms too and I'm going to have to move it around again. I don't remember this happening as much with my injections. But I would think that with a pump, since you're getting less injections, it would take longer to create those kinds of areas on your body. I mean, I'm just assuming. Yeah, so that's actually like an interesting thing is like the insulin itself is what messes with its own absorption. So the insulin causes like fat deposits to grow wherever you're injecting your insulin, whether that's through a pump or through a syringe or MDI. But if you inject always in the exact same spot, it doesn't take long to get sort of like a bigger buildup of stuff versus your cannula that's there for three days. But as soon as you start using your cannula for more than three days, it becomes worse than in my like in my experience, worse than injections for causing that fat to build up because you sort of saturate the tissue with insulin and it's just really getting lots of insulin 
and like lots of fat growth there. And people will end up with like bumps, lumps and bumps from insulin injections and from reusing sites. So it's something that we definitely recommend all people who are doing any insulin injections. Like that's why we harp on rotating sites. For me, even with my pump, like I use my legs and I use my tummy. I tried my back and I really didn't like that site, but I'm going to try my arms too so that I have lots of options so that I don't end up reusing the same sites all the time. Interesting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I've been using my arms a lot more, like I said, and it's been so much better for me. The insulin is acting a lot faster, which is exactly what I need. Totally. And I even noticed a difference. Like I went from my stomach to my thighs and there is an absorption difference anyways, but I noticed that it's way faster in my thighs than it was in my stomach or like it works better. And it's nice because then you're using less insulin and it's also, I find like faster. So you're sort of more responsive to it, which is also good. Yeah. And another reason to rotate your site is the marks that it leaves. My back is now covered in them. And it reminds me of my fingers when they would get callous from the pricks, but it's all over my back. It's so important to rotate your sides. Totally. And I think if I used the same spots too much with my Dexcom or my pumps, it would just tear all my skin off and I'd get rashes. Honestly, my skin is what I worry most about personally, just because it's so sensitive. Yeah, you definitely want to take note of how your skin is reacting to these because I've heard a lot, not as much with the insulin pumps, but definitely with the Dexcom adhesives of people having bad skin reactions to them. Thankfully, I haven't experienced that personally, but I have seen a couple of people on different online networks talking about that. So yeah, some of the adhesives are awful and some people have terrible reactions. And that can actually be a reason why you can't use CGMs or insulin pumps is because you just have an allergy to the actual adhesive. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that's so uncommon. It really isn't. But I think that covers our pens versus pumps episode. And as always, we're going to finish off with our goals. And my goal last time was to adjust my basal. And I have to admit that I only did it today. But I have been lowering it just to try to reduce the lows that I've been having, which are honestly really quite bad still. Sometimes up to like 10% lows in an hour. Yeah, but I think you need time to change a basal rate. I don't think it's something that you can just do the next day and expect it to work perfectly because you need time to identify those patterns beforehand and then make the changes based on those, you know? No, and that's totally it is like, I want to know what my game plan is before I make any changes so that I know what I'm going to do next, I guess. So that's really true. I think this is one of those goals that'll be long term because I think basal rates are always changing and it's always something that you could play around with. But I do hope that the lows are under control by next episode because it really sucks being low all the time. Oh, I don't sleep. It's crazy. Yeah, that's really bad. Are you thinking about pushing that to next week or do you have a different goal in mind? So this weekend is actually Canadian Thanksgiving. And so in honor of that and my having my first, well, not my first, but (laughs) my first psychiatry 24-hour call shift tomorrow, this weekend I really want to make a nice dinner and do some drawing or writing so that I can just keep track of like how things are going for me. I really love having drawings or like written records of things. So that's my goal. A 24-hour call shift sounds pretty rough. Yeah, it's not going to be great, but it is a partly home call. So I won't have to be at the hospital the whole time. I'll just have to be available to answer any calls and maybe have to go in to assess a couple of patients. Well, hopefully the nice meal and the drawing give you something relaxing to do, take some of the stress off. Exactly. And so how did your goal go last week? 
Yeah, so in the last episode, I was talking about my goal that involved building the core walls of that up house I was working on. I finished most of them, but honestly, I wasn't loving the way that it looked. I still have it if I want to go back to it, and I'm sure I will. But I found a new project that would require much less of my time, but that I still loved. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, and that's what I'm working on. But I think I would just need a period of time where I can give more attention to the up house before I can tackle that project. That's super fair. I think it's good to always know like what's working and what isn't working. And to just set something aside isn't giving up on it. It's just saying, like, not right now. I'll deal with you later. That's exactly it. So what's your project, though, that you're going to start or that you've started? So right now I'm just working on collecting all the materials for it, but I am trying to build a resin lamp. I've wanted to build one of these for so long. And now that I've done like a couple of smaller projects with resin, this is, you know, one step closer to a larger scaled project. And I love playing with it. I think a resin lamp would be super cool. And if it comes out well, this is one of the first projects that I'll actually be selling to someone or at least I'd like to try, which I'm really excited about. Oh, that sounds so cool. Again, I can't wait to see. Thank you. Yeah. Well, going back on what you were saying before on never giving up on goals and kind of putting something off to the side, but coming back to it. I'm going back to my roots this week and I am going to try to carb count for just a single day, trying to keep it easy. I've been eating like trash recently and it's affecting everything I do. It's been damaging my mood. It's been making me less productive. It's been obviously affecting my sugars, which come with a whole other group of symptoms. It's just been really limiting me recently. So I'm hoping that seeing that one day, seeing how many carbs I eat, will kind of open my eyes and make me gradually start to make more changes in what I'm eating. And I usually just eat junk food. So I'm hoping this will make me think about it a little more. Totally. Everything that we eat makes such a difference. And especially like if you're stuck in those patterns, I think it's really good to just start recording and see what's what, right? Like just having that information is really good. And I know obviously I'm a little neurotic. I like to keep track of things. So if you need any tips, Gianna, maybe we'll make an episode about it. Honestly, that's not a bad idea. We might need that. And so I think that wraps it up for today. Yeah, life's been crazy, but hopefully we'll be back with you guys next week. See you next time. Bye.